This is the Wave Zero Podcast. Welcome to the Wave Zero Podcast. I'm your host, John Lindens. Savvy organizations have been accelerating their online customer engagement efforts at a breakneck pace to ensure they are positioned to take advantage of the buying power of digital natives, that is, people born after 1980. In fact, millennials are the largest group of consumers in the U.S. today, with approximately 76 million people. They'll be aged 22 to 39. However, poised to take over the number one spot is Gen Z, those currently aged 7 to 21, with over 78 million consumers. Called digital natives, as they grew up with the internet, are deeply engaged online, especially with social media, and think mobile first. Both groups expect personalized, online, immediate, and mobile-friendly options from their brands. If brands are going to survive, they must align with this inclusive, digitally-driven culture and provide personalized, high-quality experiences. To discuss how IBEX helps blue-chip and new economy brands keep up with the changing service expectations of their customers, I'd like to welcome to the conversation Octavia McIntosh, Director of Talent Acquisition from Jamaica, and Emily Guerra, Senior Director of Global Talent Acquisition. Ladies, welcome. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure that, to have you guys and appreciate the time today. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your roles to start. Um, Emily, let's start with you, um, Senior Director of Global Talent Acquisition. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails as well as a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so first, you know, what the job entails is really just making sure that on a global level, we have a really good strategy set in place from a workforce perspective, you know, what classes that we have that we're targeting, making sure that ultimately staffing is set properly, but also from a strategic perspective, you know, how are we going to accomplish um, finding the right talent for these classes across the globe? Um, and just, you know, a little bit about myself. I have about 11 years in talent acquisition as a whole. I started my career with New York Life 2009 um, as a partner in, for development and uh, recruiting. So just really finding the right talent and then working with the development team to develop them into amazing agents and leaders. Excellent, Emily, appreciate it. Octavia, your turn. Sure, thanks. So as director of talent acquisition, my responsibility really is to ensure that we understand hiring profiles for all positions in Jamaica, as well as to, you know, the strategies that we will need to source and attract the right talent so that we can hire the best. My background pretty much has been in HR for about 20 years. However, the last nine years, I have been either executing or leading talent acquisition strategies for high volume recruitment in the business process outsourcing space. And currently I also serve on the Global Services Skills Board, responsible for identifying and implementing skills upgrade programs that will enable Jamaicans to secure higher value added jobs within the outsourcing industry. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about digital natives. We've seen some large brands and small brands, right? All of these companies out there, they're really targeting from a customer base, millennials and digital natives. And I've heard that the best person to service a digital native is a digital native. So Octavia, how do you go about doing that from a talent acquisition standpoint? I'm assuming that we're starting to see a large number of digital natives within the workforce. Absolutely. And you can either be a digital native or think like one. So yes, we try to meet them on their turf. We try to go where they are and they're on their smartphones. 
John. So, you know, what we do is to ensure that we have strategies that allow them to feel comfortable reaching us, for us to feel comfortable reaching them, and that social media, whether it's Twitter, it's Instagram or Facebook, we try to meet them where they are and we have, you know, conversations using direct messages on Instagram. We have like Q&A, pop-ups live on social media. And that is what they gravitate to because that's their space. Now that's going to change from an overall talent acquisition. We move from what, what we consider what more traditional print ads more to this digital, this entire digital realm. Yeah, 100%. So I was thinking that when you asked that question, it's like, you know, I started with New York Life way back when in 2009. And the, the way that we approach recruiting was, you know, the traditional thought, right? You apply online, a recruiter calls you, or you get an email. Um, you get an email if, if we don't like you. You get an email if your background check is, you know, not, not going well. We've changed a lot of that to, you know, everything is mobile friendly. Everything is right there at your fingertips. You can apply directly through your mobile device. We use um, different engines like Text Recruit to directly text, get a hold of the candidates via SMS. So they're getting a Text Recruit. They're working with us through that throughout their entire process. The online um, application, they can do mobile friendly. All of their new hire packet and their onboarding is all mobile friendly. To Octavia's point, right, the social media and really changing our process to a virtual process where, you know, we don't bring them on site. We do everything through um, a Zoom application. So we're looking at them on video through a, through a Zoom site. Um, our Nicaragua location actually has an app, John, um, that's specified for recruiting. So they can download the app. They can get updates to when we're hiring, what campaigns we're hiring for apply there and also get connected to a recruiter through that. So just different really way of thinking and way of approaching and connecting with a candidate. Right. Yeah, okay, you know, you mentioned something that's interesting. You either can be one or think like one. Um, I'm not sure I'm either, but I, but I have, um, but I do have some kids that, that are both. And I've noticed too that, right, you had mentioned they're always on their smart devices. And whether, you know, they're Snapchatting or doing uh -huh. direct messaging, et cetera. The other thing I've noticed that's really big is, you know, these, this TikTok video, right? Do you guys do anything as far as, you know, games or engagement, et cetera, uh, within the process uh, you know, to help generate even excitement and um, find candidates? Absolutely. What we, we try to do is to showcase our culture, which, you know, is a culture of fun and engagement. And we do a lot of activities online in our closed groups as well as on site. And then we feature or showcase them on our public pages so that, you know, an applicant or a prospect gets an insight directly as to what life is like on the ground. So, yes, we have TikTok challenges. Yes, we are doing videos and we're doing Facebook challenges. You know, we're doing um, road shows, you know, pre-COVID when we have persons, you know, doing dance choreographed you know, choreographed dance um, on the road and we're doing that live and trending. So we have to follow what's trending. We have to look at what our digital natives are attracted to and what they, you know, what they follow on social media and try to reach them there. I see. And then one of the other things too, right, that I've noticed whether within, again, just in my own household and wondering if we're seeing it, you know, whether we're seeing it in specifically in Jamaica or Emily, if we're seeing it on a global level, is 
the fact that these organizations, right, these, as we've opened up with, these large companies, and again, small companies, are targeting this buying group, these customers. How do we see and what are we doing in order to help these digital natives, right? How are they either acclimating to the brand or how are they accepting the brand or how, how do they really understand the brand, right? Because I would think that if you understand the brand, they would become a, an advocate of, of that brand. We do a lot of really, really cool things across the globe with each of these campaigns to really immerse them and make sure that they, they not only understand it, John, but they have an opportunity to interact within that, that company or that organization that they're working for. Um, a good example of that, you know, and I know Octavia has some really cool things going on in Jamaica, but a good example of that would be um, one of our video streaming accounts, right? We give them the free service so that they can, they can watch, they can use it, they can interact with it, um, and just make sure that they, they get to feel what the customers are feeling that they're engaging with every day. Exactly. And we, 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 we do the, you know, branding in their workspace that is aligned with that particular brand. So for example, we have a wearable tech provider campaign. And when you go on that um, workspace, it looks you know, exactly like you know, a fitness program. We have workout Wednesdays, fitness Fridays, so they can wear gym, you know, their gym wear to work and they feel like a fitness enthusiast. And that's what we do first and foremost, you know, try to attract persons who are um, you know, aligned with that brand or already enthusiastic or can identify with that brand. And then we go granular in our profile when we're trying to find the best persons for those particular brands. I see. And then I would think what that would pay off as far as making sure the divide between the customer expectation and then the agent would be shrunk, right? And that they could- Oh, for they, sure. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's so important to Octavia's point, right, to be able to have that candidate come in, feel like they're immersed in, in the exact thing their customers are calling about, so that if there's an issue that their customer is calling about, they're helping them with, they face that personally, and they can immediately identify with what the issue is and how to fix it. Um, but also, right, the, the frustration that comes from that candidate if they're having a problem with, you know, with one of their providers or with whatever's going on, to be able to immediately know, you know, they've experienced that frustration themselves and they can empathize with it. They can talk to that with the, with the client and really be able to make an impact on that phone call. So we've talked a little bit about, right, some of the things that we're doing as far as, it sounds like education, right, so that they can empathize with it is what you brought up. We've talked a little bit about some TikTok videos and some fun and engagement, but uh, I think the three of us know that not every day is always fun and games, right? So when you're looking at, you know, attracting people to come work for IBEX, what are some of the other considerations that you put into, or they're even asking you about? I mean, how do we help develop some of the agents and see that their, you know, opportunity path or their career path can develop over the years. 
Yeah, so we usually really partner well with our talent mobility team and make sure that there's a trajectory for each of the agents that comes on board, right? So when you're doing your interview with the candidate, it's super critical for them to not only see the, the immediate position that they've applied to and what that entails and have a clear picture of what, what that's going to look like for them, but also what's the next step for me as a candidate, right? You talked about the millennials and these folks that are digitally native, for them, it's not only about what am I doing right now and what is the position, but what is the next step? And is there a next step, right? Like what, what am I gonna jump into and what does this look for me, look like for me next year? Or is there a promotion opportunity? Is there dollars involved, right? Is there a step increase in, in compensation? Um, not only the compensation in as the monetary value, right? But what perks, are we being offered um, versus our competitors? And so we have to really be in tune with the competitors that are in each of these markets that we're in to make sure if someone's offering, you know, free um, cell phone service or free cable, or if they're offering, you know, 100% medical benefits, we have to know that so that we can under it, help our candidate understand um, what we are offering and what that's going to look for them, look like for them and how it benefits them. That's really the key when you're thinking about these millennial folks and the digitally native people. It's not only, okay, you know, how are we connecting with you? It's how are we connecting with you and what are we offering you for your future? Yep. Pretty much what's in it for me. And mm -hmm. before we even get to the interview stage, applicants want to know this. And the best way that I have found that we have been able to do this authentically is to have the testimonials of our existing employees. We find that the applicants gravitate to this. We have a, a program on our social media for testimonials where we showcase our employees talking about their benefits, what's life here for them, what's, how long they have been here, and persons can identify with that. And that really resonates with digital native because they can say, yes, I see myself in this person. I may not see myself in that one, but I can identify with this particular person. And this is something that we have seen persons gravitate to and always you know, attracted to joining our organization as a result of being able to showcase what's in it for them, their trajectory, their career pathing, what they will end up you know achieving by joining our company and they're able to see that firsthand on social media we did a really cool uh campaign in our nicaragua region recently and we wrapped the whole thing around hashtag get promoted so we did it was a fully social fully um digital campaign that we ran and we used testimonials of the folks that have been promoted within the last six months in the nicaragua location um, and everything was around specific people who have been promoted, what they started as, what they were promoted to, the trajectory of their of their career that it has been. Um, we were able to promote the, the site director that started as an agent in that location, which was fantastic. And just really showcasing and using that hashtag get promoted yeah. for the people there to understand that yes, we have competitors, but we really work to develop you within the Nicaragua region in uh, in our organization specifically. So that really went so well. We had people who were, when they applied, you know, saying I, that's the position that I want to get to, what this person I saw online was. Um, mm -hmm. Being able, like Octavia said, right, to identify that's where I'm going, that's where I want to go, was a really big impact for us using that hashtag. I see. So it, it almost creates a pipeline uh, of people who want to come in. They see that the success that the current 
employees are having. They see, to your point, that they're getting promoted. Uh, Octavia, to your point, they're understanding and listening to their testimonials, and then they're able to identify with that. And then once they've identified with that, again, so that you actually, that's ingenious, right? Because you've actually then closed the divide between what the job is, who's in the job, and what it means for the person who's applying. Exactly. That's right. So doing that, right? And I guess, I mean, you see the power of social media, right? I mean, and it's, and it's instant, right? So it's a number one, it's very customized to them. Number two, it's just this instant feedback. But in the world that we live in, right, especially 2020, what a year this has been between the freaking just you name it, it's been out there. <laughs> but, um, but things to just keep constantly changing. So how do you make sure that the changes with it that are coming in from a, like a business requirement standpoint are being met from a talent pool standpoint? Because again, we've talked about this divide between a customer's expectations or a, you know, what the client expects for its brand and then how to it's, source the right people. So how, how do you yeah. keep up with that constant change? It's just making sure that ultimately we are very connected with the business and not, it's not only right. Are we finding the right talent today um, for this profile today? It's making sure that we continuously get the feedback from our, from our partners in training, in uh, operations, in HR. How are these people that we're bringing in doing, how are they acclimating? Is it the right thing for them? Because it's not only, you know, we want to hire the right people, but we want to make sure that for the candidate, it's the right step for them too. And it's not only a, you know, us as the recruiting team making a decision on whether to bring you in, it's the candidate's decision on whether they're going to come in. So when they make that decision and when we make that commitment to bring them on, it's a, it's a responsibility that we have to ultimately make sure that what we're communicating to them is going to be the case as they move through their, their career with IBEX is what we deliver. And the only way to do that is to make sure that we are very, very calibrated with how their training experience is going to look. What are some changes that you guys have made in training that we need to be aware of so that we can prep our candidate for that change? Um, making sure that in operations, we have a very clear picture of, you know, not only the good, but the good and the bad, right? The tough parts that they're going to experience so that that we are very solid in preparing these people for what they're about to experience because that's that's half of the battle is making sure that there are no surprises on the candidate end and there are no surprises for for us on what we're bringing in um, I think those are things that are very important but making sure ultimately we are connected um, to our partners and we have a clear picture of what what the updates are to the program what the updates are to the profile um, I don't know Octavia if you want to add anything else to that Yes, it's just, you know, as you said, being calibrated, being informed, knowing our business and keeping that closed loop so that we can continuously improve if we need to tweak something in our recruiting process, if training needs to tweak something in their training so that, you know, these, um, you know, reps are delivering according to what the client expects as the client needs changes as well. So it's just maintaining that closed loop and being calibrated and keeping it tight. So I want to put the two of you guys on the spot just a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're doing your job correctly, then I would expect that coming out of training, you would have a pretty high graduation rate if you're finding the right candidate from a sourcing perspective. Can you talk about what that looks like? Because I know the performance is good on the backside because you know, you've got the upfront, uh, the profiling, 
and then you've got going through training before we even let them on the operations floor. But what does that look like? How good or how well are you doing your job? Yeah, here's what I'll say, John. We've we just finished a pretty major ramp for a, a tech campaign that we run um, in the U.S. And we've you know we've had this client I don't know maybe 11 years, but it's every year we get better. Every year we perfect what we're doing and the calibration level that we have. This year we have classes that graduated 92% throughput, and that's not a class. That's class after class. <laughs> yep. um, with multiple sites um, involved in this ramp. Um, we hired, I think it was almost 1700 people in a matter of months um, and were able to continuously graduate that throughput. So we, we do that only by making sure that, you know, any changes that we need to make to that, to the conversation we're having with the candidate, to the expectations we're setting, to the interview that they do with the final operations team, everything is just laser sharp and we kind of know you know what we're doing and who's doing what and what we're looking for i think it's important 92 percent. i mean that's impressive and mm -hmm. so but why isn't it a hundred percent it's it's not a hundred percent because we don't need it to be a hundred percent and what i'll say is you know we want to put the best people onto production right you can't expect every single person that you hire to go through. I mean, we have some of these trainings that are six weeks long. Um, it's kind of intense. We do um, weekly uh, quizzes and exams with them to make sure that they've been able to follow through what they're doing. Um, it's challenging for them and a lot of people, right, are not the right fit. So we have to really drill down in the interview to make sure. But at the end of the day, when you're going through training or you're going through um, that process, the goal is to, to weed out the ones that are not perfect, right? So that 8% is our, our responsibility to say, you know what, this just isn't going to be the right thing for you. Um, maybe it's their attendance isn't right or their, their skill set isn't the right. And we've done, you know, multiple trainings with them and it just hasn't worked out. But at the end of the day, the goal is to put the best possible people that we can onto the production floor. I see. I mean, that is actually ingenious, right? Because that way it almost creates a, you get into this training where you get into this test scenario to see if the job is a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. And, and then from that standpoint, right. It, it allows you a little bit of a number one, a buffer, but I, I think it's very important too, right? People who are passionate about the job, people that are going to be able to identify with the brands, people that are going to embrace the culture. And if you get an opportunity to try it and decide you don't like it very well built into the process. Yeah, and life happens. So you will have, you know, eventualities and persons have to discontinue, you know, because of unforeseen reasons. So we're not expecting 100% throughput. And then speaking of just, right, the different people and the employees that are coming in, are we seeing within, you know, this digitally native population, is there any specific demographic that we're targeting? Are we seeing it as very diverse? How are we seeing it that who's coming in looking at, you know, even from anywhere from a global perspective, you know, to maybe more of a local perspective in Jamaica. I'd be interested in both of your thoughts on, you know, not only the quality, it sounds like a terrific quality candidate, but the diversity of candidates coming. Yeah, I, you know, here's one thing I'll say. Um, and we talked about this, I think, Octavia, a few weeks back. You know, one of the biggest changes that we've seen in the recent years, when I started here four years ago, we had a 50% um, ratio of folks who found us on their mobile device. So candidates who 
you know, found us online and used our mobile device to apply 50%. Um, that is now up to over 85%. So almost 90% of the people who find us today do so on their mobile device, which means that a lot of the strategy that we enact around being able to digitally connect is how can we push ads how can we make sure that if they're on their social media, we're finding them? Um, and the demographics for us as a whole typically are between 18 and 35. Um, we have 60-40 split between men and women across the globe who apply. And we really try to make all of our ads very diverse and connected to that region. So we do a meeting with our marketing team uh, two times a week to be able to understand really what the ads that we have are putting out there. And then we do cross checks to make sure that they are they're solid to the local region that they're being put in. I mean, it, it just a silly example is our Bend team. You know, we're doing a lot of ads right now for, for a huge ramp that we're undergoing in Bend, Oregon. I'm actually here right now. But the, the culture here, you know, they have beards, they wear flannel. Um, so I'm not gonna put an ad out there that is someone in a suit, you know, saying, hey, come work here, because that just doesn't connect to the market. So we just really make sure that the ads that we have connect um, to the market that we have and that we're trying to source from. That makes sense. And Octavia, what are you seeing down in Jamaica? For Jamaica, we have, you know, pretty much the demographics that are interested in this industry um, would be between the same ages of age 18 and 30. We have, you know, majority are women. We have 70% females in Jamaica. While we advertise diversely, we do find that most persons who are on social, who are using mobile devices, are the ones gravitating. When we started, um, you know, back in 2016, like Emily said, it was like 50%. But for us now in Jamaica, 90% of our leads and our applicants are coming, you know, from online, from mobile. And so those are the persons who end up, you know, matriculating and joining the workforce. While we're diverse and while we are, you know, equal opportunity employer, we find that most persons are, you know, millennials and are women. Well, ladies, it's been an absolute pleasure. Unfortunately, we're running out of time here. But before I let you go, I'd like to ask you a series of rapid fire questions just to get to know you a little bit better. But I just, I just want to make sure you're okay with that. Sure, go ahead. Okay, all right, make sure. Hey, it's the age of consent. I'm just asking. I'm making sure we're good. Okay, so we'll, we'll, Octavia, we'll start with you. What's your favorite ice cream? Pistachio. Oh, yeah. Uh, Emily? Half baked Ben and Jerry's. Easy. Oh, yeah, that's good. I, I, I like that, uh, that, that, uh, the tonight dough from Ben and Jerry's. It's oh, good. man, that's good too. That's my second favorite. That's good. All right. So, Octavia, what, what are you reading or binge watching right now? Ah, uh, binge watching. It would be the Ozarks on Netflix. Yeah, that's good. I like that show. That thing's really <laughs> nice. Yes, really. It's good. All right, Emily, what's the next place you'd like to travel? Oh, uh, we want to go back to Europe. Um, we went for my honeymoon, but we definitely want to go back. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get rid of this whole COVID thing and you guys can. Yeah, can we haven't been doing much. I'm in Bend right now. That was a stretch for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this, this next one's for both of you. We'll start with Octavia. Uh, what's your favorite adult beverage? Rum punch, Jamaican rum punch. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that actually sounds pretty refreshing right about now. Emily? I'm a Jack and Coke girl. Oh, wow. I'm old school, old Southern there. That's good. Yep. All right. Um, 
we'll close with uh, what Octavia, what celebrity do you follow on uh, social media? I have two, Will Smith and Spice, Spice, Jamaican celebrity. Okay, and Emily? This is going to be embarrassing. Uh, my favorite is JLo and A-Rod. They have a social media that they're constantly posting. <laughs> Power couple. <laughs> Very entertaining. <laughs> well, ladies, I really, truly appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk through uh, some of the things that we're seeing in, within digital millennials, as well as you know, global talent acquisition. I appreciate your time today, uh, you know, joining from Bend as well as from Jamaica. So thank you very much and uh, look forward to talking to you later. Thank Thanks. you, John. John, it was a pleasure. This is the Wave Zero 